Hello, wonderful people. Welcome back to The Jack Ravel Show. Before I introduce today's guest, I wanted to take an opportunity to thank you. It's been three months since I launched this show, and after 20 episodes, what can I say? I am blown away with the love and support from all of you that reach out and share your views on an episode to everyone that shares this show with a friend. I just wanted to sincerely thank you. Thank you for letting me experiment with a huge passion of mine. Thank you for letting me have deep and meaningful conversations with interesting people. And thank you for listening. As a young podcast, the only way this show gets heard is through you, the listener. By sharing, posting, shouting, gossiping, whispering, and pushing it onto your friends. I would love to see the past three months compound into something bigger and better to reach more people and shift the thinking of even more humans. So if you haven't already, please subscribe and share and pass this episode on to someone you think would find it valuable. Right, on with today's show. Claire Shear Simmons is a six-time Ironman World Championship qualifier across multiple age groups. She currently holds a PB of sub 10 hours for the full distance and is one of the most consistent and successful amateur long-distance triathletes in the country. Over the past 25 years, she has balanced family, friends, work, life and training in order to maintain her sports and keep her at the top of her game. Expect to learn what it takes to be a world champ, what it takes to keep going in the hardest times, what motivates her to keep racing, and where it all started and what the secret is to a balanced life. This episode was a treat to record because being an Ironman athlete myself, I found the mindset and motivation totally inspiring and the determination from such a lovely human to succeed. In other news, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Unlimited Alcohol Free Beer. Unlimited is not only great tasting, but it's also a health drink in its own right. Yeah, so at only 23 calories, rich in vitamins, low in carbs, and it's vegan, it's honestly a game changer for anyone who is sober curious or just like a great tasting beer. They're launching an IPA pretty soon, which I know is going to be sensational because the lager was pretty damn special. So Unlimited has given our listeners of the show 15% off of everything online. So if you just head over to www.unlimited.beer and put in the code JACK15 to receive that 15% discount across all products. Right, get yourself ready because we're about to get insightful with the incredible Claire Shear Simmons. Hi guys, welcome back to the Jack Ravel Show. Today I have Claire with me in the studio and today we're going to be talking all about Iron Man. Now, for those of you who know me quite well, you'll know that I banged on a lot about this this year because I did my first half in Dubai earlier in the year and then did my second or I suppose first full Ironman that wasn't technically official. I uh, kind of did my own thing and, and a couple of friends of ours made our own one up because of COVID. Um, but through learning about it and, and, and sort of getting involved in it, uh, a good friend of mine, Adam, put me in touch with Claire, who has done many more than me and has got a lot more experience than I have in this industry. And I've brought her on today to talk about what it's like to be an amateur athlete in the Ironman space and balancing work, life, training, everything else in between, all in one go. So welcome to the show, Claire. Oh, thanks very much, Jack. And uh, I will say, first off, um, massive props to you to going out and just doing an Ironman um, virtually uh, in the kind of virtual space in so far as you didn't have a an event to uh, go to and attend. Um, I'm seriously impressed by that. That takes some uh, mental fortitude to go out and uh, and punish yourself over 226 odd miles um, over the course of a day. So, uh, yeah. Thank you. It was, you know what, I think I said to you this before, we had a call before, but it was, I I found myself just in this space of, I'd done so much training and so much preparation for something that was just getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, that when we heard that it wasn't going to be happening for another seven or eight months, 
I couldn't just not do something about all that training. I think that's maybe my stubbornness kicking in. So, you know, the fact that we kind of put it together and a, a good couple of friends of mine did most of the route planning and everything else. Once we'd done it, we actually realized, oh, wow, actually that was, that was, that was quite a lot of effort and quite a lot of work for not just us, but also the other people have to follow us around with water and, you know, food and everything else. Cause yeah, it's, it's a, it's a long day. I think I was on my feet for something 14 hours in total, which was a, which was a wow. big, big day, but, um, yeah, excellent. Well done you. Thank you. I think it's, uh, it's definitely pushed my, uh, push, push my boundaries in terms of like mental capacity on, on how, how I, I can bet. Do it. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. the next one I do won't be as, uh, won't be as long and, and as, uh, it'll be easy. <laughs> Trust me, it'll be easy compared to what you've done previously. It'll be good. But today I wanted to talk about kind of your journey. And, you know, I've, I've heard sort of tidbits from various people about kind of what you've achieved. And first of all, I think it's an, an amazing achievement. But let's start by just talking to uh, you about kind of where it all started. Where did your love for training triathlons begin? It's a, yeah, it's a, I, I think to myself, I must have been quite a strange child because it started really, really early on. Um, uh, my dad played rugby um, and as part of the fitness that um, went in his years and so I guess kind of fitness and sport and was always around me. Um, I think once dad got over the disappointment of me not being a boy and playing rugby, <laughs> he very quickly started to encourage me towards swimming and, and, and running. So I inevitably became a, a member of my local swimming club, um, joined my local athletics club. Um, and over time saw that you could, you could actually start to combine those um, events. Uh, so I guess I'd have probably been about 11 the first time I saw the London Marathon on the television. And, and th there was something about the endurance events, even at the tender age of 11, that really attracted me. Um, probably helped by the fact I always had an aptitude towards the, uh, the longer events. I was never the fastest kid in my club, but seemed to have more endurance than, than a lot. And, uh, and, and the sort of toughness, if you like, to kind of attempts the longer events um be that swimming kind of 800 meter events in the pool or um 1500 meter events on the track I always tended to um uh, favor the longer events and, and do better in those so at about 11 I, I told my dad that I wanted to do the London Marathon um a bit of a strange thing for an 11 year old to want to do and and I guess I didn't really know how far uh 26.2 miles was either but um my dad I remember my dad explaining it to me in in terms I understood so you know that will be about as far as you know running to granny dots so I sort of had a, a sense in my head of, of how far that was and and that really um pricked my interest and then um obviously I was uh in my local um swimming and uh running club and became aware of what triathlon was and um we're obviously very posh because of cable tv and i started to see some american sports events on the uh, on the telly at home um, my dad was a massive um sports fan would watch anything um mum always used to joke he'd watch underwater show jumping if it was on but we watched any sporting event that was on the telly and on this one occasion we watched hawaii i'd have been about 14 and we watched the world ironman championships and i was just blown away by the uh, by the event and and then at 14 was hell-bent on on doing an Ironman one day and uh, you know obviously dad's then explaining the distance to me and you know you've got to cycle to London and then you've got to run from home to your granny dots and so I started to kind of get an idea of, of the sorts of distances that were involved and uh, so yeah it started very early on <laughs> very early on and so just for those listening let's just clarify what are the distances of, of a traditional Ironman what do you have to do in order to be able to complete one so 2.4 miles uh swimming in uh, in old money or 3.8 kilometers um and then we're talking 112 mile bike ride or um 180 kilometers and then a 26.2 mile run so they're the traditional uh, marathon distance um and or oh, that's 42 uh, kilometers in uh, in new money and this is, when, when <laughs> i explain this out. It is, yeah, absolutely. When I explain this to people, everyone sort of looks at me and go, "Oh, what? So what? One after the other, as if if, yeah. as if it's not a sort of thing." And so, yeah, look, it's it's a funny distance. Do you do you know why the distances are they are, are that 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 those specific amounts one after the other? 
Well, funnily enough, I do. <laughs> um, I, I guess one of the things that um, that really kind of captured me about Ironman was, was something around the kind of the history of the event that I find quite um, interesting. Um, the Ironman uh, event um, on the island of Hawaii um, was established 40 odd years ago. Um, I think it's uh, it was 1978, so a year after I was born. So it's about as old as me. <laughs> So very old um, and uh, it's it actually started as a combination of three um, events that were already established on the um, Hawaiian islands um, and as, as I understand it this may well be urban uh, urban myth um, but uh, it, it started out as one of those pub conversations whereby um, the uh, early founders of the event uh, were um, uh, debating whether or not swimmers um, cyclists or runners were fitter um, so they came up with the idea of, of combining these three um, established events on the uh, Hawaiian islands and it just so happened um, I think it was the Honolulu marathon um, and then obviously there was a cycle event that was 112 miles and a, and a, and a swim um, that uh, was 2.4 uh, miles and those three events were combined um, to uh, establish what we now know as the um, Ironman distance uh, some 40 odd years ago. That's brilliant. I love that. It's just the competitive nature of people that compete in these things. Like, you know, I think we can exactly, speak yeah. both of us when we say that we're probably quite competitive people. But just, I mean, I've heard the story of the kind of the five or six guys that originally started it who are like, you know, they they literally just did it in a pair of budgie smugglers and then got straight yeah. on, a, on a bike with zero sort of like tech or any sort of GPS or whatever, and then just chucked on a pair of runners shirtless and then, and then ran the distance. Yeah seen photos of it and it almost looks like they were just competing with each other and whoever was last across the finishing line had to buy the beers or something like that so. yeah yeah very much had that feel and and funnily enough there's a there's a souvenir shop actually in um in Kona um on the big island and they've got the original uh results uh for the first ever um uh Hawaii Ironman event um, and they're framed on the wall of this souvenir shop and it is literally handwritten in biro <laughs> <laughs> it's got people's split times on it and uh, I think look, I, I'm, I might this might not be exactly I think there were around about 12 finishers from kind of 20 starts so uh, yeah it's uh, pretty crazy really to that. think of where it's come from and and obviously the huge um worldwide movement that Ironman Triathlon is now is barely recognizable from its humble beginnings absolutely I mean there's always an event popping up every now and again from a different country and I think there must be oh, there must be at least 150 events a year if not more yeah. yeah so how many events have you done to date what is what is the number we're on uh, so I'm on 14 now, um, and uh, so 14 in total. Um, that is a combination. A majority of those are the um, Ironman Corporation events, um, but there's a couple of um, uh, different types of events I've done as well. Um, domestically, I've raced the Outlaw events that are um, Ironman distance here in the UK and also Challenge Series as well. Um, who are a, a competitor, if you like, to Ironman Corporation. So in terms of the distance, Ironman distance events, I'm on 14 now. Amazing. Um, and and we, uh, I'm scheduled to do two more this year. Um, but obviously that hasn't happened with COVID. Um, so those events have rolled over into next year. So uh, we'll see what happens come the spring. And so I want to ask, why do you do what you do? Yeah, I've often asked myself a similar question. Um, I guess for me, um, the, it's always been the Ironman event that has really kind of captured my imagination. And I did race the shorter distances as a, as a younger athlete um, and certainly kind of um, pursued those shorter distance events in, in uh, my younger years. And that was part of my... I suppose evolution, if you like, as a as a as a triathlete, you, kind of the way that it was back then, and it's been quite a long triathlon career that I've had, um, and now Ironman triathlon looks quite different. And you do have people with relatively little experience of triathlon rock up and and you know take on an Ironman as their as their first event. You know, again, enormous respect because I'm not sure I would have been brave enough um, to uh, to have done that in the 
early part of my uh, triathlon career. But um, for me, it was a little bit more starting out with the kind of shorter pool-based triathlons and then um, developing over time to take on longer and longer distances. But I think my heart was always with the Ironman. Um, it was always the events that I aspired to. Um, and also, interestingly, it's, it's been the distance that I've had the most success over as well. And um, obviously, you know, you mentioned before, you know, competitive people, we like to be successful in what we do. Um, and the Ironman um, distance is the distance that has brought me the most um, success, if you like, in my triathlon career. Um and I guess that's come relatively late on as well, which is, you know, it's been super um, fulfilling to be able to do some of my, post some of my fastest times in my, and in fact, post my personal best time in my 40s um, after such a kind of long triathlon career has, um, has been super fulfilling and, and super pleasing for me to be able to do that into my 40s. Um, so, so yeah, um, success is definitely a driver. Yeah, and, <laughs> Quite I, and addictive. I wanted to dive into that actually because I really love what you just said there about how your success in 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 so your personal best, which I, if I'm right in saying your your personal best is a, is nine hours fifty three. Is that correct? Yeah, nine hours fifty three. Okay. So I did that in, in uh, Sweden um, uh, two years ago. Am I am I right in saying that the world record is something like seven? 58 or maybe just yeah so the men eight. the men the world record um now they're they're going under eight hours um and they're going under eight hours in kona now as well which is phenomenal that's fairly uh um recent that those uh boundaries have, have started to be uh pushed out but yeah the so, the, the top men are now going under um under eight hours um, and, so, and that yeah. is fantastic because oh, i think that you know, for anyone listening to this that doesn't understand what an Ironman is, just, just Google and have a look at any video that pops up because you'll see just the the, the sheer distances that is just covered, but also the amount of determination and enthusiasm and focus you need to be able to actually get on and, and do one is, is just next level. So for the fact that, Claire, you've done not only 14 of them, but you've also hit personal bests of, I mean, sub 10 hours is incredible. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm in awe of, of that. I think it's amazing. And yet you've also done your better times sort of you know after doing so many you'd think that you'd sort of lose the enthusiasm or lose the the drive yeah. to want to continue to get better so what keeps you so driven and so so focused on wanting to keep competing I, I think for me it's been I mean obviously I I, I sort of um I I did uh, do an Ironman distance race um fairly early on in my um triathlon career so I did been 24 I think when I did my first one um and I, I I did it because I was just impatient and I was desperate to do one um and uh, I probably wasn't ready at that point in time to be competitive over the Ironman distance but I couldn't help myself and um, and was woefully underprepared, um, but didn't do as badly as I probably should have done from the preparation that I'd done. I hadn't ever ridden my bike over 60 miles, so it was a real sort of voyage of discovery. Um, obviously, that's a massive step up, and uh, which I, I know you'll, you'll understand, uh, Jack, that of, uh, of, of preparation. Um, but I guess I had youth on my side and a bit of natural talent, so I didn't do as badly as I probably should have done preparation that I hadn't done um, for my first attempt at the event. And I suppose that gave me an inkling that actually, potentially, I could do quite well over the Ironman distance and and perhaps achieve um, a, a kind of level of, of of success that. I hadn't had over the shorter distances. I'd never quite had the speed and pace to be um, as successful over the shorter distances. So um, I guess I had a sort of glimmer of, you know, actually, maybe if I prepared for this, I could really do quite well. So I then stepped away from Ironman for a, a, a period of time. I thought, no, I'm going to come back to this, but I'm going to come back to this really well prepared next time. 
um, which is what I did. And then I then set about a program of, of kind of working over a number of years um, to start to basically put in the preparation that you need to put in to be successful at Ironman. Um, and then I also realised that, and, and you all have, um, have had some uh, experience of this yourself as well, Jack, you learn so much from the events that you do. Um, and it's just been, it, it's, it's been a, a, a really great um, learning curve. And I've learned something from every race that I've done. Um, you know, plenty of people, um, amateurs and professionals, burst onto the scene and have, um, you know, really great success really early, you know, really sort of seemingly come from nowhere and appear on the scene and that definitely was not my story in Ironman at all I did reasonably well off really poor preparation in my first one and then I basically just chipped away at it and chipped away at it and the times have got faster and faster as I've put in better preparation each time um but it has not been this kind of <laughs> explosion onto the uh, world of, of Ironman. It's been hard graft and getting better incrementally over a long period of time. Um, and then it all came together for me on that. Uh, I think it must have been Ironman number 12 in, in Sweden when I put together that sub 10 time, having been very close to sub 10 on a, on a couple of occasions, but just little things, little wobbles during the race. Um, you'll know from your own experience that it's a long day out in Ironman and and you hit peaks and troughs and you have moments in the event where you feel fantastic and you have moments in the event where you think you know this is it now you know I can't come back from this the the wheels have well and truly dropped off um but uh yeah somehow you dig a bit deeper and you you come out the other side so yeah it's it's just been an evolution really and a learning experience and something that I've just worked bloody hard at over a long period of time and got incrementally better so um yeah if you can't smash onto the scene with uh, an abundance of uh, of natural and, and god-given talent you can work bloody hard and get pretty good at it <laughs> absolutely the, the thing that comes to mind is the compound effect you know the, the essentially if you if the, it's mentioned a lot in finance you know if you save a pound today it will be this much tomorrow and then in 10 yeah. years time it will be worth more it, it's the same with training and i find that you know the more you train the more your body gets used to the type of training and the, and the, you know you learn little nuances about oh this this equipment's better or this nutrition's better or maybe that running style's yeah. better or that bike whatever it might be and you sort of tweak and and and, and touch up ever so slightly different bits as you said and what i find interesting is that it's the tail end of of kind of all this work you've done ever since the age of 11 so to speak when you first started you know and now you're producing these pbs that are coming out and, and you're doing sub tens at you know at the tail end of of all this training you've been doing and i think a lot of people will look at that and think oh you've always been that good but they don't necessarily see or know or understand what goes into making you that successful yeah. so what what does it take for somebody like you who is an amateur athlete who has a life who has a family who has everything else goes not being paid in any way shape or form to do what you do what does it take to do and become someone as successful as you in this sport um uh, discipline you you need to be able to um commit to that hard work and you need to be able to um commit to that and push through even when it's really unrewarding um like this time of year (laughs) you're going out and freezing your cobs off in the uh getting the winter miles in um you know it's easy to train if you take yourself off to Mallorca or you take yourself off into the Alps and you know you're in a beautiful environment and it's a bit different when you're you're dragging yourself out on a Saturday morning and it's pissing down with rain and (laughs) the roads are are horrendous and uh yeah uh, on those gray days it's it's far harder to push yourself to to keep going with that um so uh, discipline and that's discipline in terms of doing the training week in week out and there is no magic bullet either and I think that that's something that um, and I do a bit of triathlon coaching now as well and I've done that for a few years now Uh, and people imagine that there is like some kind of magic bullet you know you buy the right bike or you buy the right piece of equipment or you know you use this particular um, nutritional product and and you know that's going to elevate you you know unfortunately not and there aren't any shortcuts if there were I'm sure I'd have found them at some point in the last 20 odd years um, and and there really isn't it's it's just about hard work and tenacity and just slowly but surely 
putting those building blocks together. So get the fundamentals right, um, put the hard work in. And then that's when you start to um, bring in the, I suppose, more of the, to, to coin a, a popular phrase, to uh, to start to bring in those marginal gains. It's, it's when you can start to look at things like aerodynamics that, that have the potential to offer um, amazing gains, uh, particularly over the Ironman distance. But, you know, unless you have the aerobic engine behind you, you know, that it, it, it's not going to uh, to pay dividends. So I guess that's the kind of the gloss um, that comes when you've got the fundamentals right. But, yeah, there aren't any shortcuts and it's really hard work. It's really unglamorous. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's tough and it's gnarly a lot of the time. Um, in terms of how you balance that, I suppose where I'm really fortunate is that um, other aspects of my life have become very much intertwined with the world of, of triathlon. Um, so I met my husband through triathlon. We're both triathletes. Um, and so, you know, we both have an understanding of each other's um, lifestyles and um, we, we train together. We train together in the water. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we we do a lot of work together in the pool, in the gym. And um, we do some running and uh, cycling together, um, but it has to be the right sort of session because obviously, you know, he's faster and stronger than me, um, running and cycling at least. But um, so, but we also, yeah, we lift each other up and we motivate one another. So I am very blessed in the sense that I've got someone alongside me who is on the same journey, is on the same path. Um, and we do encourage one another to kind of keep going. And if one of us is having a day where we're really struggling with the motivation, there's nothing motivates you to pull your trainers on if you've just seen that your partner's headed out the door to get their session done. There's nothing makes you feel like a lazy bum if you're on the sofa and they're out there getting the work done. So, uh, yeah, we're very blessed in, in that sense. Um, the only thing I will say is that... Uh, it's uh, sometimes it can be a challenge um in navigating the uh, the necessities of life when both of you are, are on this journey and both of you are putting an equal amount of time into the um triathlon journey it's you've both done a long day's training it's then it's the negotiations around who's going to then cook the supper or put a load of washing on to uh, you know clear the laundry basket which is full of sweaty bike kit um so uh, yeah, so the, it swings and roundabouts having a uh, a triathlon partner, um, but uh, I guess nobody quite understands the 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 journey as well as somebody who is on that same path as you. Um, and I guess perhaps where Duncan and I are quite unique is that our competitive level is very comparable. Um, so we've, we're, we're sort of at a similar uh, level in terms of our um, competitiveness. So there's never one of us that feels like they're getting, you know, left behind. Obviously, we sometimes one of us will have a good day and the, and the other one, um, you know, not so good. But for the most part, we're we're on a similar trajectory, which definitely helps in terms of, of kind of motivation and keeping us on track. I love that. Um, our, our kind of our circle of friends. Um, inevitably, because we've been involved in the in the sport for so long, um, inevitably our social circle has become triathlon people. Um, you know, our our um, our greatest friends are you know, triathlon people. So you become very much immersed in in that world. Um, so, and then that obviously happens when you you've been involved in the sport for as long as we have um so i can imagine that that would be perhaps quite a big challenge to someone uh just taking up track on first time who maybe doesn't have a partner who is immersed in the world in the same way that mine is or you know their kind of social circle isn't based around triathlon as well so um i guess my situation is probably quite unique to that end um, loads of friends joke all the time oh you know everybody in triathlon I'm like yeah but that's because we've been doing it for such a long time <laughs> I think I think that's great that you've got such an incredible network around you as well as also having a partner that's also into it as much as you and I think yeah. that is important you know from a personal point of view when I started training for my Ironman it was because I had a friend of mine in South Africa a guy called Aubrey who'd competed a couple of times and I'd actually trained with him I was his training partner in the pool when I was living in South Africa and 
really pushed him because I'm a background, I've got a background in swimming, just, just like yourself. And so I pushed him a lot in that background. And he kind of then taught me a little bit about how to do block training and how to do things like if you go from a swim to a run and how you need to sort of, you know, measure the, the different, you know, your, your heart rate and, and your nutritional levels. And you can't do too much on one day because it will wipe you out for the next day and the importance of recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many metrics in, 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 yeah. in triathlon, not, not to mention, uh, you know, uh, Ironman. So what are the things that you measure the most? What are the things that really move the needle for you in the, in the right direction to give you those marginal gains you were talking about before? Um, I mean, obviously I, I want, I want to do well at what I'm doing. I'm quite, a, um, I'm very methodical. Um, and it, it's funny because I quite often see, um, my, uh, triathlon, the, the, the things that kind of define me as a triathlete, um, they're, they are very definitely needed in my kind of personal and professional life as well. I, I find that my approach to my day job is, is very similar to the way that I approach triathlon. And sometimes I'm conscious of that and at other times not so much. Um, and I always find it really fascinating when, for instance, I might be doing it, having a, a PPDR at work and, and there'll be um, uh, my line manager will be giving me sort of feedback on my professional life. And, and, and I often am quite taken aback at how much it sort of mirrors um, some of the feedback I get from my coach as well. It's like, I've heard this before. <laughs> um, but also I think, you know, you, you take forward those, um, those lessons that you learn from triathlon into your professional life. Um, and, you know, I, I, I definitely have seen my, um, my performance and my confidence at, at work um, will very often kind of track what's happening in my triathlon world and, and vice versa. Um, it's really interesting. And, and uh, you, you can sort of, <clears throat> when things are going well for me from a triathlon perspective, um, I find that it really helps me, excuse me, <clears throat> with my focus at work uh, and feeling kind of um, uh, confident at, at work. Uh, obviously, it ticks the other way as well. So if things aren't going so well, then you can quite easily see that mirrored um, on the flip side as, as well. But um, yeah, I find myself all the time deploying similar strategies in my, um, in my work life that I, I've kind of developed if you like through triathlon and uh, um, probably more that direction than work um, transferring into uh, triathlon it tends to be the the other way around but yeah I do see um, I am conscious quite a number of times where I'll see the sort of the tools if you like that I've honed as a as a triathlete that I'll I'll, uh, I'll find myself drawing upon those in in kind of work and and personal life as well definitely no question I think what you said there about focus was really really awesome because it gives you a focus you know when you train for a race you know when you're six eight ten months out you've really got to put into work right every day and every week I've got to do x amount of miles or x amount of k's on, on a bike and a, and a pool and, and on, on my feet and there's going to be some days where you have a good run or a good cycle yeah. and there's going yeah. to be other days where you've got to go out for two and a half hours and you've got to run on a on a heart rate of about 150 bpm and it might be feel like slow for you and you might be a bit not bored but sort of like oh god i've got stuff i've got other stuff i could be doing or you know the, the mind starts ticking because you've, you've yeah you've, you've yeah a life in between and i think that as you said yourself when you reflect those times on your professional life or even just your, your personal life you realize that when you when you put the hard work in over a long amount of time it does pay off it does pay off in and yeah definitely it really builds up to that to that moment when you pass across the finishing line with a personal best above you and and that amazingly heavy red medal they give you at the end of those races <laughs> it makes it all worth it and i think that a lot of people can learn from the focus of doing endurance sports because it it really does put you into a whole different mindset and allows you to really see things other areas of your life in a completely different way yeah definitely and I, and I think it's that ability to to break things down as well 
um it, you know I, lots of people and and it, it, it sounds like you've had similar conversations people are, are really overwhelmed when you talk to them about the Ironman distance and the fact that you're doing all that that in one day I mean none, nobody stands on the start line of the Ironman thinking right today I have to swim 2.4 miles ride 112 miles and and run you know 26.2 even when I get off the bike I don't think I've got to run 26.2 miles now I'm, I'm sort of breaking that down into much smaller segments um thinking about think food that, thinking about food yeah. that's what most people think about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a lot of that isn't there there's a lot of that um but yeah no i i, I find for, for me when it when i'm on when i uh, stand on the start line i'm only ever focused on you know w- what's coming up next um you know it might be that getting to that first swim boy um without being ducked under the water and you know and then once you move on to the uh, latter stages of the event you're starting to break it down into smaller and smaller segments really to allow you to to kind of get to that finish line and um you find find yourself bargaining making all sorts of bargains with yourself right I'm just gonna see I'm gonna hang on in there and see how I feel until the 10k marker and then once I get to the 10k marker I'll reassess then and so there's all that sort of bargaining that goes on um, during the course of an, an event. And uh, yeah, likewise, I, I mean, this year has been a classic example of that. Um, I'm sure all of us in our kind of uh, working and professional lives, there is none of us that haven't been impacted in some way, shape or form uh, by COVID. Um, and uh, most people's um, jobs have um, have been impacted in in some way, shape, or, or form, and it's been a tough year for so many people. Um, and yet, you know, I've, I've found myself drawing quite a lot um, during the last year on on just trying to kind of take it one week at a time or one month at a time, um, because all bets are off, aren't they? You know, the the kind of forecasting that we do in our professional lives this year has just been totally turned on its head, and uh, and it's just been responding from one week to the next or one month to the next. So. Um, and, yeah, and that's an interesting point actually. The one of the guys I ran this this uh, what we call the backyard Ironman we did earlier this year. He he said that if he hadn't have lost his job, he wouldn't have been able to train as hard as he did for the for the race. Which yeah. you know is a good way of looking at the time that he, he had essentially spare to do what he wanted to do. But he said yeah. he learned so much about who how much training he needed to do, and he said if he'd kept his job, he don't he, he said he didn't think he would have actually been able to probably complete it because. He just yeah. totally underestimated the amount of training that goes into and the amount of hours you need to do yeah. and the amount of Ks you need to put in just to get yourself to the level where you can even complete it, let alone get a good time. Um, yeah. One thing I did want to ask you about kind of the, the difference between somebody who is, you know, competing at an Ironman just because they want to say they've done it or just want to push themselves yeah. to their absolute limit versus someone like yourself who's done 14 and qualified six times to go to Kona and actually just before we go on to that what does it take to 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 qualify for Kona it's not it's not just you you just don't complete it do you? how how where do you have to fall in the sort of uh, um I mean as a, as a as a female athlete um there, there are a limited number of places available um so you've got your uh, your schedule of, of triathlons around the world um and then uh, there, there will be a um small number of places available at each of those events so typically there might be um, as 40 places. Um, at some events, it's a little bit more. At some events, it's a little bit less. Um, but that's in a field of Ironman races that typically are around about 2,000 people. And they'll distribute those um, across the genders and um, across the age groups as well. Um, now, women are um, uh, less represented um, in the Ironman events. So typically for a female, you've got to be either first or second in your age group in order to um, gain a place for um, Kona. Uh, so you need to be regularly on the podium on the age group podium at that these events mental. that is um, mental so so you've you've qualified six times to go to yeah to yeah. go to, the, to hawaii i mean that just blows my mind because for yeah again from someone i've, I've raced in a proper event and it is mental you, as you said two thousand people there and the pressure is is real isn't it yeah the pressure is yeah. real so for you to sort of start that race knowing in the back of your head that you've got to finish either first or second potentially third if there's enough spaces available to even get yeah. yourself to 
the big island to Hawaii to Kona. What was yeah. through your head? I, and and that interestingly is something that I've got better at dealing with. Um, certainly, early part of my triathlon career, my first event, you know, the nerves were uh, a real um, a real barrier to to me. I, I sort of really lacked the the self belief um, that it was within my within my ability to to get those to, to finish in those um, on those podiums those age group podiums um, and obviously I wouldn't say it gets easier um, but when you've gained that first qualification it obviously helps you in the subsequent qualifi- qualifications so it doesn't get easier but I think. Uh, from a kind of a mental game perspective, then that is one thing that gets easier because you know that you've done it and you know that it's within your grasp and within your ability. Um, so, uh, yeah, that the the mental game certainly gets easier, even if it doesn't physically get easier to qualify. It's still, it's still tough. Um, obviously, my preparation and... Um, my sort of well-rehearsed um, toolkit that I use in an event. So that might be everything from the equipment that I use or the nutritional strategy that I use. All of those things I've honed over these 14 Ironman events that I've done. Um, it's very formulaic. It's very methodical. And both my uh, preparation for Ironman events, but also my execution of, of the on the day as well. Um, I'm very, um, I, I like numbers and I like data. Um, and so I, I guess I've probably got quite a robotic approach to an Ironman event. I'm, I'm quite good at sort of managing my um, my energy as well. Um, I, you know, I know when I need to go harder. I know when I need to back off. Um, but all of these things I've, I've built over a period of time and I've learned the hard way in many instances. <laughs> and I've got it wrong more times than I've got it right probably um but the times that I get it right are obviously more frequent as I've um as I've sort of uh, learnt my craft if you like and and uh, and gain from that experience over a series of events um yeah so going back to your question and the, the kind of the nerves um the other thing that helps me manage the nerves is what I've come to uh discover over time is that I might feel crushed with nerves on those start lines and and I've done everything from contemplate staying in the court to lose and not coming out to crying to becoming very withdrawn um to being physically sick you know all of these manifestations of of nerves I've experienced at one time or another but what I've also come to realize is the minute the gun goes I'm fine you know and so now I sort of uh, I can I can I can um uh basically I know that once once I'm into my suit, I'm in the water and I'm on that start line. I know once the gun goes, I'm, those nerves just completely go and I'm totally immersed in um, the task that's in front of me. Um, so I know that the nerves are very short lived. Uh, and what I've also found is that the nerves kick in a lot um, later as, as time goes on. And that's something which comes from experience. So I used to start having sleepless nights about two weeks out from an Ironman. Now I struggle to sleep the night before an Ironman. That's not unusual because it's a bit like when you have to get up to catch an early flight, isn't it? You're just so paranoid about missing the start. Um, so I might have one disrupted night's sleep, but but not the two weeks of uh, nightmares about, you know, coming out of the water and not being able to find my bike or taking my wetsuit off in transition to discover I'm, I'm naked underneath. I've had these dreams in the run-up. To, <laughs> to <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, that, that has certainly uh, lessened. But I think it's having confidence in your preparation and confidence in your strategy. And that's what makes all the difference to nerves. I was like absolutely paralyzed with nerves ahead of that first Ironman. And and to be perfectly frank, I was right to be nervous because I was woefully underprepared. And I cringe when I think about how little preparation I'd done for that first event. Um, So I I had every right to be crippled with nerves. As time goes on, and I know how well and, and meticulously I prepare for events. 
um, then that's what allows me to stand on the start line and, and be confident that I can deliver that performance. Um, you obviously need a bit of good luck on the day. Everybody needs that. You need to, you know, not fall off or go the wrong way. Or <laughs> Absolutely. It definitely helps. Um, if you were to go back to the day when you first ran your first Ironman event, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself? I, I think... I'd probably tell myself to do a bit more preparation. <laughs> <laughs> but also I think um, uh, there's a, uh, an anecdote I, I've told a few people actually about my very first um, Ironman event. And um, the first event I, that I did was actually in Canada. Um, and you you go away to these events in, uh, in, in North America and people just look supreme they look physically supreme um and you know I rocked up as this sort of pasty English girl you know they're all like tanned and ripped and I'm just like this slightly scrawny pasty English girl and I'm sort of standing there and and um uh, Jack you're probably familiar with this they, they mark your body up with your numbers for the race um, so I'm kind of all the girls in front of me are like taking off their um, their uh, tracky tops and like they've got muscles that I don't think even exist on my body and <laughs> and they're all getting marked up and I'm thinking what am I doing here you know I really don't belong here um, and I I ended up one of these uh, amazing physical specimens I ended up in a bit of kind of back and forth on the uh, on the bike and I was sort of passing her on the hills and then she would come past me on the flats. Um, and then we, we so we ended up in uh, the second transition together and then we got onto the run and I didn't see her again. And I, I caught up with her after the um, race. We just happened to see each other after the race and uh, recognised each other from the bike course. And um, I'd obviously been completely um, in awe of the fact that she just looked so amazing. You know, she was so ripped and tanned. Um, and she said to me, she said, I knew I wouldn't see you on the run. She said, I just looked at you and I thought, you look like someone who could run and I knew I wouldn't see you on the run and I thought well, isn't that interesting all that time I'm sort of really um intimidated by the physical condition of this girl but meanwhile she's looking at me making an assessment of well actually that girl looks like she would she would really be able to run so uh, yeah I guess uh, what I would learn from that is that you know it's not about the body work it's all about the engine so uh, yeah don't worry too much about that when you're preparing for an Ironman keep yourself healthy and and well and uh, um, and take care of the engine that's the most important thing it doesn't matter if you're not the most tanned and ripped looking person on the start line as long as that engine's been uh, well primed I love that that's, that's a really nice lesson to take from that because yeah I, I completely agree with you you do get intimidated especially in your first race and first few races you see people there that are just like like you know mr mr adonis and you know mrs amazonian woman and they're just they just <laughs> look like they're gonna scream you and then but you don't know what their experience is they might have something that they they just look like that they maybe come from a bodybuilding background or a, a weightlifting but and they've just actually slimmed down to be able to do something like an endurance sport and it's amazing actually i see the race i did in dubai there was a guy who was running something like his 40, 40th race or something, but he was about 82 years old. He was so, oh. and, and he was just plodding along. And I, I, I think I passed him on my last lap just as he was starting the run. And I just, I just remember thinking to myself, why am I complaining? Why am I exactly. complaining? Yeah, this, guy, exactly. this guy's got, you know, he's, he's, and I just had so much respect for him, but I think that just comes back to what we were saying before about the love of the sport the love of the community and the love of just being able to push yourself to your absolute limits and and not ever sort of backing down thinking no that is that's as that's as good as i've got you've always got more to give in a different way and the triathlon yeah. sport allows you to be really really specific about where you can touch this up and and tweak that and and do that sort of thing so i think that's, I think yeah. that's amazing and and I think it's also having an appreciation that you know that that's what kind of floats my boat as mm. a you know very kind of competitive individual, um, and I'm very driven by performance. And you know, I, I, 
to, to me that it, it's a big part of what motivates me to kind of drag myself out when it's pissing down with rain and freezing cold and um, you know I, I want to do well at what I'm doing but equally um, when every, every time I've done an Ironman event um, I'm always keen to uh, to go back down to the finish line for what they call heroes hour um, which is the last hour of the event where you get people that you know the, the sort of true heroes of the event that have been out there for you know 16 17 hours um and you know like you say you, you describe there seeing an, an 80 year old gentleman um you know completing the event and it's, it's just so humbling to see people from you know all different kind of walks of life and athletic backgrounds or no athletic background or people that have lost a phenomenal amount of weight and then you know that the iron man is is like the pinnacle of their weight loss journey you know i i find that just as inspiring as you know being around the the professional athletes and uh, you know that the, the top age groupers that I'm, I'm lucky enough to spend time with it's just as inspiring to go down on at heroes hour and and see those people that are combining you know look at they might have a brood of six kids at home or you know all sorts of different life experiences that they bring to the events so I guess that's one of the things that is really unique about Ironman as well mm. There's not many athletic arenas whereby you get the professional athletes um, and the uh, the completers rather than the competers, um, and you know you get all of those people, a whole spectrum from the completers right through to the professionals, two thousand of them at different points along that continuum all racing the same course um and being out there and and okay they've got different goals and and they'll experience they'll have a different experience of the day but you know you you get to share the race course with these people so uh you know it's really phenomenal and and really inspiring i think that's the thing that has kept me going back to iron man it's it's just the kind of the amazing journeys that you get to um to witness uh, alongside your, your your own um but uh, yeah that I always find uh, super inspiring and, and humbling and and just as as um there's just as much value in 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 completing competing um in completing sorry as there is in in competing and and the fact that we get to have those um two different strands of, of Ironman running alongside each other, I think, you know, is, is just something really quite unique and special. And it's probably the kind of atmosphere and the, around the events and the community um, around Ironman racing that's probably kept me in it for as long as that uh, as I have been. Love that. I love that. Claire, I wanted to um, do a, a couple of sort of quick fire questions with you that are kind of on various parts of your training kind of the race and yeah. and kind of the, yeah. the races you've done themselves so um first one i want to to, uh, to kick it off with is what's your favorite race you've done oh um am i allowed to have a non it is a long distance race but it's not iron man am i allowed to have that of course you tell me what's okay. your favorite <laughs> Um, it's a race called the Inferno, actually. It's um, it's a race that runs in uh, Switzerland. Um, long distance triathlon, totally unique. Uh, it's uh, real, really, they're really challenging cutoffs. It's the only race I've ever entered where I've been genuinely concerned that I might not make the cutoffs. Um, it's a point to point race. Um, and it uh, goes through the uh, mountains in Switzerland and finishes on top of the Schilthorn, which is the, uh, if you've seen the Bond movie, Her Majesty's Secret Service, it's the, um, uh, where they have the, um, uh, the big mountaintop rotating restaurant. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's where the race finishes. So um, the year I did it, I think there were, um, oh, there were 200 people doing the race it's amazing and you basically finish going up the shilt horn and you have to take four cable cars to get back down so yeah proper proper adventure that one that's amazing and so on the flip side what is the worst thing that's happened to you when when competing in your your, Um, your career It, uh, I, I would my worst Ironman um, experience was probably uh, doing Ironman Switzerland um, and I just had a really run of bad luck I had a couple of punctures on the bike um, and then I just got a real my nutrition got all thrown out and I had really bad stomach on the run um, and unfortunately for me the marathon goes through the center of Zurich 
um, so there, there's no bushes to run behind in Oh dear. <laughs> so I'm not going to go into any more detail than that, but it was a yeah, a toilet-related emergency <laughs> in in super sophisticated Zurich, and I didn't feel very sophisticated at oh, all. Gosh. I, I I know I can almost I, I don't I don't know how that feels, but don't I know how that, the whole feeling of that is. So okay, interestingly, then, what's your favourite piece of tech that you use when doing your races or when training? Um, big fan of uh, of, of wetsuit technology. Um, I I love swimming. I love swimming open water. Um, and uh, I've been really fortunate to be really well supported by um uh, Hoob wetsuits, and I've been involved in um some product testing for them. So I get super excited about um about that because I'm a bit of a geek and. I love kind of <laughs> science and um, sports technology really fascinates me. Um, in recent years, I've done a little bit in the wind tunnel as well. Um, so I'm really interested in um, aerodynamics and the potential gains that could come from aerodynamics. So I've, I've started to become a bit of an aero geek as well. So um, yeah, I, I love any of the science um that sits behind yeah i share your love for for hoob um i've I've invested in recently they crowdfunded didn't they yeah they did yeah oh great stuff oh well oh good good i'll let i'll uh i'll let dino know yeah i bought one of their wetsuits for my race and i swear by it i think it's great but um yeah yeah, i think they're a really good company i've got a lot of a lot of potential for the future um great stuff what nutrition do you swear by um Actually, I swear by eating um, a, a really good diet and the best quality uh, food and the best sourced food that you can all of the time. I think when it comes to um, the sort of sports nutrition products, I think they are the sort of um, that then you're starting to kind of work on the, the cherry on the cake, if you like. I think unless you're getting the, the, the fundamentals right, I, I think that a lot of people would do well to focus on that part of their diet um, first before they start to kind of layer on the, uh, the specific sports nutrition on top. So um, be confident in uh, your um, diet uh, the rest of the time, so what you're eating for breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, before you start to get too uh, bogged down with um, uh, the actual uh, nutrition products. And a slight slide, what side question is that? Supplements? Do you swear by any supplements when you train? Um, I think there there are some uh, supplements that benefit all athletes, um, and so for me, that kind of fundamentals being um, a really good fish oil and a vitamin D supplement. Um, again I suppose it's a similar approach really isn't it it's kind of getting the fundamentals um, right uh, I think other supplements aren't, aren't beyond those I think everybody would benefit most likely from a, a really good quality fish oil and, and vitamin D supplementation um, I think other supplements on top of that work for some and, and not for others so what works for me might not necessarily work for you um, so yeah fish oils and vitamin D definitely like it I think mine would have to be salt tablets I, I uh, okay I, I, yeah, I yeah, a yeah. Lot. so yeah. one one piece of learning I made from Dubai which was as we know 32 degrees but by the time we finished the run was that I must have cramped more times than I can count just doing that half marathon right at the end I was in bits and I someone said to me at the end did you have any salt tablets and I said I didn't even know what they were and that was like the biggest learning I took away from that race because yeah now I did when I did my full I didn't cramp once yet I had salt tablets great stuff yeah no there's yeah and and if you're a big sweater as well then uh yeah definitely I, I don't know if you've um familiar with um uh, precision precision nutrition that's what I use Ah, oh, good stuff. Oh, I'll be really pleased because uh, yeah, Andy there is a really good old friend of mine from uh, from home. We've known each other for years. So, absolutely. Uh, oh, maybe yeah, you can, maybe... using all the right products, Jack. I'm absolutely. Really... Maybe uh, maybe you can introduce me to him and I can get him on to talk about his products. Yeah, and, uh, yeah you should do because maybe. Got, um... Get a get him on as a sponsor. That'd be great. I'd love to. I'd love to uh, use his products as well as uh, promote his products via the podcast. Yeah, and and actually his kind of business journey um, and the development of that business has, has has been super exciting and phenomenal. He's worked so hard over so many years. So uh, yeah, can definitely uh, link you up there. That'd be amazing. Uh, we'll ask you which is the race you really want to do that you haven't done yet. 
Oh, um, the, yeah, the Norsemen. Um, my husband did it a few years back. Um, so Ironman distance race in uh, Norway. Again, it's point to point, real adventure. Um, and you have to provide your own support crew for that event. Um, and I've crewed for my husband. Um, and so we've got uh, a bit of an agreement that at some point I will go back and, and do the uh, Norsemen and Hill crew for me. So, yeah. Um, and it's another one that finishes up a mountain. So uh, as much as I kind of love all the sort of flat, fast um, PB courses, I love an adventure and I love being in the mountains. So uh, I can see that more of that type of racing being in my future. Good stuff. Last question. What do you look forward to most when you finish a race? <laughs> Lying down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, ironically I'm always um before the event I'll be fixated on um on what I'm going to eat after the event and then I generally find that actually I can't eat very much at all um uh, when I've raced in uh, Hawaii specifically I always look forward to the um after parties because um, they're always really great fun so uh, yeah any event after party I'm all over it <laughs> love that they do put on a good spread in a lot of these places I've I've, uh, Ab- I've, I've seen some good ones fantastic yeah absolutely but one last final question which I think would would sum up this nicely is how has Ironman affected your life since you've started and, and and how has it kind of shaped you as a person oh my goodness and just it's so far reaching and in so many ways uh I mean when you consider that I've uh, I've gained a husband out of it and uh, but you know the, the most amazing lifelong friends that I've I've met through the sport um and I, I guess it's taken me all over the world as well so um competing in so many different countries and getting to go to some amazing places that I've probably wouldn't have visited necessarily um without triathlon so yeah it's it's really really difficult to um uh, pinpoint one thing in particular but i, I guess for me it's that it's people um and uh, it, it does seem to uh attract um a certain type of person <laughs> and and obviously we, we seem to uh, find some commonality really quickly so um i've just made the most amazing friends um and amazing friends from all over the world as well um through triathlon and uh, it's just so easy to to form those relationships because you've got so much um that that kind of bonds you so um yeah uh, i think it's people that i've met along the way fantastic and if anyone is listening to this and has been just completely jaw dropped by your immense passion and energy and focus on on what is an incredible career of doing such an amazing sport and the thinking, I'd love to get involved in this. I'd love to be, you know, the next Claire and do these amazing races. Where should they start? Where would you suggest someone who has no idea about this goes to start looking? I would definitely suggest getting in touch with your local triathlon club. So find some like-minded people um, that can help you and guide you um, along that journey. You don't need expensive equipment. You know, you don't need carbon fiber bikes and you know that can all come later. Um, you just need uh, some energy, some enthusiasm and some passion, a pair of trainers and a bike. It doesn't matter what type of uh, bike it is um, when you're first starting out. Um, but yeah, uh, get in touch with your local triathlon club and um, don't feel intimidated um you know that not everybody there is going to be you know like the people i described earlier on they're sort of super ripped um amazing athletic uh, adonises and amazonians um you know, there are plenty of people um of all kind of shapes and sizes and ages and and uh, levels of experience that are getting involved in triathlon so um you know get in touch with your local triathlon club and um, if you're not sure how to do that if you google british triathlon um, there is a uh, function on the british triathlon website find a club so you can put your postcode in and find out what clubs are operating near you um you can go onto their social media club social media and club websites to kind of get a feel for what that club's about 
Um, but yeah, you'll be welcomed with open arms, I have no doubt. Amazing. And Claire, one final thing. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, you mentioned your training at the moment, you're doing some doing some coaching yourself, but it just wants to ask you a question. Where is the best place to find you? Um, t- Twitter, in- Instagram, um, and uh, Facebook. Um, <laughs> luckily, having a fairly distinctive name, there'll only be one of me. <laughs> uh, but you can get in touch with me via Twitter and um, Instagram, and it's just Claire SS Try. So C-L-A-I-R-E-S-S-T-R-I. Um, and that's my handle on both Twitter and Instagram. Amazing. I will link all of that in the show notes below because I think this is going to be something that a lot of people are going to be interested in and also reach out to you on. Because I know that when I found Love of Triathlon, it's 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 funny. I So many people ask me, oh, you've done one now. Is that it? And I'm like, uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely going to do another one. Actually, have you got any... Consi- well. COVID, COVID dependent. Have you got any you're training for this year? Yeah, well, I've, I've got my entries from last year have all rolled over into this year. So all things being equal, um, I'm racing domestically in June. Um, and that is a triathlon up in the Lake District called the Lakesman, um, which is established over the last couple of years, but um, is, is got a growing uh, following. People are, are responding really well to that event. And it's in a beautiful part of the country that I know really well. So um, that is uh, one race on the agenda agenda and then um rest of the season hopefully um competing in uh holland later on in the year um and um i'm torn if i could get an entry to ironman wales again i'd probably do that at the back end of the season as well but um it's going to be quite tricky getting entries to additional events uh next year because so many will have rolled over um, and then I'll do some domestic racing as well. Fantastic. Well, look, I wish you the best of luck. I'm sure you you, do, you don't need it, but I'm sure you will do very well in, in all of your races that are coming up. And I look forward to seeing you and, and uh, compete and following you on social. And thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you sharing your, uh, your background oh, no, and your experience. Not, not- not a problem. I can't wait to uh, hear about your uh, your your first uh, Ironman event. Now you've done your backyard one, but yeah, like I say, real props to you for that because I'm not sure I could do that. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. Luckily, I've got I'm, I'm doing Nice in June, so um, I've heard it's oh, one of the fabulous. most beautiful cycles of, uh, of 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 the sort of the of the series. So I'm hoping it's going to be a nice a nice one. Yeah, and it's a great city, Nice as well. I haven't raced it as the Ironman, but have raced it as the old um, Nice long course triathlon so uh, yeah it's beautiful around there fantastic good stuff Claire thank you so much for your time it's been a pleasure chatting to you welcome you're very welcome thank you Jack